Well, hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Discovery Fellowship Church podcast. This week, Pastor Rick, uh, he finished up the Parousia sermon series last week. So this week, uh, he's doing a one-off on the biblical mandate for communion. Um, and then as a church, we got to participate in that. So feel free as you're listening along, maybe take some time to reflect on what communion is, um, why it's important, and take some time to do that with your family this week. I think that would be a huge uh, impact in your relationship with Jesus. So without further ado, here is Pastor Rick. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Discovery. Appreciate your presence here today. Those of the, that are on site here, in a few moments, we are going to be partaking of the communion elements that you see before you. If you're present here um, or the Lord's Supper, we invite those of you who are watching online this morning, perhaps from home or wherever you are, if it's possible, to join with us also in just a few moments. So let's pray as we prepare to think about God's words and then partake of communion. Father, thank you for this opportunity this morning to do that. For safety, for those who have traveled here to this place, thank you for those who may be here for the very first time, Father. We appreciate them participating with us today. For those who are at home or online, Lord, we ask your blessing on them as well as we remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on our behalf. So we thank you in his name. Amen. The Lord's Supper, um, or communion, which signifies the body and the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose body was pierced and whose blood was shed as he freely laid down his life for all mankind. Jesus left us this memorial celebration. He left it for his disciples. He left it for his church. But he built what we are going to be celebrating today on the Passover feast. I suspect that probably most of you are familiar with Passover. We celebrate uh, annually the Passover Seder here every year at Discovery, right around Palm Sunday. But by Jesus' day, some almost 2,000 years ago, the Passover celebration had already been happening for 1,400 years. Every year for 14 or 100 or more years, and it was a memorial celebration that every faithful Jewish family participated in. But what the Jewish faithful uh, did not know then, and what many still do not know today, is that the Passover was not simply a memorial celebration, an annual celebration to remember God's faithfulness in delivering his people from captivity, but it was also a type, T-Y-P-E, a prefigurement, a foreshadowing of something ultimate which was yet to come. And so this morning I'd like for us to be reminded yet once again about this historical event, and I want, us, I want us to think briefly, if we could, about some observations concerning the central figure in that event before we partake together as the body of Christ. And so I'll invite you to, I think, a probably fairly familiar passage that you'll find uh, in Exodus chapter 12, and herein... The roots of the story are given to us, as you can see before you on the big screens. In Exodus chapter 12, it reads, 
Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month they are to each one take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them. According to what each man should eat, you are to divide the lamb. Verse 5, your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails. Verse 10. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning. But whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So that's the history and the instructions. And what I would like for us to remember this morning is that the initiation of the Passover celebration for the Jewish people was important. It was historical for them. It was to be enduring, but it was not complete. This morning, uh, though you and I may not be Jewish, though some of you may be, there are, even for us, some very relevant and very meaningful truths and observations from that Old Testament passage that I'd like to just think through for a few moments with you this morning, if we could. And the first one is this. Again, in verses 1 and 2, the Scripture says, Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Now, that seems introductory, but I think it's significant. Here we are today in Fort Collins. It is the middle of January 2023. It is, in fact, of course, the first month of the year for us. However, our annual calendars are different than the Jewish calendar. And so right in the middle of the ancient Jewish calendar year, God gives them, as it were, a new beginning. God says to them, this is the way that you used to mark time before, but from now on, this is what I want you to consider to be your 
annual beginning. By extension, I think the implication for those of us who have trusted Jesus are clear for us. It has to do with our new beginnings, our salvation in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter whether it's April or June or October. When you ask the Lord's forgiveness personally for your sins and the blood of Jesus the Lamb touches your heart, that is the first moment of a brand new life for you. It's also a new beginning. It may not change your calendar year, per se, but you have become a new creation, and so everything in your life then finds a new beginning in Him. We make a point in our family, the Vinoy family, to recognize each person's spiritual birthday, not just their annual one, because the spiritual birthday for each one of our children or grandchildren marks a whole new way of living for them. But with respect to this Old Testament text that we just read, I'd like for us to notice just five things quickly about the preparation and about the partaking of the Lamb that are included in the Lord God's instructions to His people. And then, if we could, just think a little bit about what the transfers are for you and I today. First of all, I want you to notice again that the lamb was to be killed. Again, verses 5 and 6 say, Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. And so, an innocent, spotless, blameless, living thing is set aside, and then it is slaughtered by the congregation, that is, by the people. And we know, of course, that that is exactly what happened to Jesus Christ nearly 2,000 years ago. He willingly surrendered himself to the sacrifice of a bloody death at the hands of sinful people. However, unlike a captive lamb or goat, no one took his life. He willingly laid it down. Secondly, notice that the text says in verses 7 and then 13 that they were to purposefully apply the blood of the innocent lamb to the entryways of their homes. Verse 7, Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses. Verse 13, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you. The purposeful application of the blood by each Jewish household represented their faith. First of all, in the truthfulness of what God had said, they believed Him. And then secondly, in the effectiveness of this specific remedy for the judgment, which would otherwise definitively fall on them. And so likewise... We know from the Word of God in the New Testament that it is by faith and it is by trust in the blood of the Lamb Jesus that we also are cleansed. Now the blood itself does not cleanse, but His sacrificial death as represented by His lifeblood being poured out is what cleanses us from sin. And when we have it applied 
to our account, as it were. We are set free from the judgment. We are set free from the wrath of God, which is definitely coming upon this world. Thirdly, if you read on in the text of verse 22, which is a part of this same historical narrative here, what you find is that they were to stay in the house that evening. Verse 22, you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and to the two doorposts and none of you, it says, shall go outside the door of his house until morning. Now, that was just a matter of common sense instruction to them. Don't go out there because it's dangerous out there. It was a matter of obedience This is what God had said, and so this is what they must do. But I think also that there is a relevant implication and application for us in the church today. Now, we don't stay in the church building forever, obviously. But when you stay in the household of faith, there is strength in numbers. There is fellowship there with God and with others. And there is sustaining power And there is corporate prayer, and there is exhortation, and there is encouragement as we gather together. And even God tells us in the New Testament that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together in the household of faith. It's important to be in church. It's important to be in fellowship, to be an integral part of the body of Christ gathered together. Fourthly, We see that they were to uh, eat the lamb. Verses 8 through 11 tell them exactly how they were to do that. We won't read it again for the sake of time, but they were to eat it right away that night. It was to be consumed. They shouldn't leave any leftovers, and they should eat it ready to hit the road the next day. That was a very important part of the Passover ceremony, after all. The lamb gave its life for the Hebrew people. Its flesh sustained them for the journey that they had ahead of them. It kept them alive. Likewise, it's extremely important, especially as I think it relates to Jesus and his church. We are not only to trust him for our salvation and rescue, to ask for and apply his forgiveness, have his blood applied to our lives, but we are also to continue to partake of the Lamb. That is to be a part of our everyday experience and living. It must be consumed personally, and it must not be wasted. Remember in John chapter 6, Jesus said those words that got everybody pretty riled up back in his day in real time. He said, my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. And some people in his day thought he was either crazy or encouraging cannibalism. Uh, He was neither. But he was saying that what would sustain them and us would be every day partaking of him. Likewise, Jesus also said, I am the bread of life. A little less gory analogy, obviously, but again, Jesus was alluding to the miraculous provision of manna for the Israelites as they were in their wilderness journey. And his point was, 
You have to eat to live. We need our daily bread, so to speak. And Jesus is the one who can satisfy what we really need in order to live. Fifthly, and the last thing that I want us to notice is that though this was a, a, a communal ceremony for the Jewish people, it was also for them to be very personal. In Exodus 12, verses 3 and 4, once again it says, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month they are to each one take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now if that household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them. According to what each man should eat, you are to divide the lamb. The reality was, back in that culture, families typically dwelt together. A household might consist of a father and a mother and children and grandparents and aunts and uncles, extended family. Oftentimes, they lived all together under one roof. And sometimes a family would be poor or might just be small, just a couple of people. And if that was the case, then they might not be able to afford a lamb or If they could, a slaughtered lamb would be way too much food for one small family. So if that was the case, then God said, let's get together, folks. If you have more than enough provision for you in your lamb, then you need to share it with others who have a need. You don't hoard it all for yourself, and you do not waste any. It was to be a communal thing. But secondly here, I want you to notice um, the, the, the language or the grammar in verses 3 through 5 because I think it gets very particular. When it comes to the lamb, as you see in verse 3, it is called a lamb. Grammatically speaking, it is the indefinite article. In verse 4, towards the end, it narrows it a bit and it uses the definite article, T-H-E, it's called the lamb. But when you get to verse 5, what do you have? There it gets very personal. It's called your lamb. That is the progression of the Passover. A lamb has become the lamb, but then he must become your lamb. And when a lamb becomes the lamb, that can become your lamb. And Passover, in our case, the Lord's Supper, becomes our communion. And so that's what I want us to celebrate together this morning. Together, as the household of faith and individually, as people who have come to know and trust in the Lamb of God as your Passover sacrifice. At Discovery Fellowship, we believe that the Lord's Supper, or communion, one of the ordinances instituted by the Lord Jesus Christ is to be a perpetual reminder to us. For the Jews, they celebrated it once a year. Jesus said, as often as you do this. And so we try to celebrate the Lord's Supper or communion at least every two months, sometimes more often if there are special occasions. And when that happens, we invite all of God's people who gather in one place as the local church to participate. You don't have to, 
but you are certainly welcome to. And really the only criteria is that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It doesn't matter whether you're a member of this church or whether you've ever been here on a regular basis, even if it's your first time, if you know Jesus Christ, we would invite you to partake along with us. And ever since the pandemic, we've sort of done this a little bit of a different way. And rather than our ushers distributing the elements to you as you sit, we've invited you to come to the table or come to the altar, as it were, as we sang, and to pick up the elements for yourself. And so I'm going to invite you in just a moment to do that once again. As you see, if you're gathered here in this room this morning, we have three tables set. The ones on the perimeter here are for those who are sitting on the wings, and the center table has two sets of elements for those of you who are in the center sections. And so what I'd like to do is invite you to come one row at a time. You can remain seated until it's your time to come. And then come forward and avail yourself of both the cup as well as a piece of bread, and then make your way back and have a seat. Again, if you don't want to partake this morning, you are perfectly free not to. You can just remain seated there. If you need a gluten-free option for the bread this morning, we have that available to you. And so we just need you to raise your hand at some point, and one of our ushers will bring that gluten-free bread to you. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to proceed. I'll invite you to stand and make your way forward. As I prepare to pray, I'm going to invite Adam Brody to come, and he's going to minister to us in song as we are proceeding with our elements. Once you have your element back at your seat with you, hold on to it, and we'll partake as the congregation of God's people together. Father, thank you for this opportunity this morning to remember what you have preserved for us the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has made for us and asked us to remember. He told us every time that we do this, we remember his death until he comes. And so we celebrate that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 